It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 114. And for those of you who are new, quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views, culture, arts, various other things from a Christian perspective. And hopefully it's beneficial to those of you who are not Christians as well. Now, I had a lot of feedback recently, so... We are reverting. I still will do an occasional special on one subject, but we are reverting to the old format of covering lots of different items because there's so much news. And I also want to say that um, thanks for all the feedback, you know, the, the constructive criticism and the positive. So Andrew, for example, writes just a quick email to say thank you for the realistic view of the times and the wonderful hope in the saviour of the world expressed in quantum. All right, let's get into this week's news. And the most important story, I think it's Armenia and Azerbaijan. Rising tensions between these two nations have erupted into violence. And this is important because this is an age-old conflict that has the potential to become a major war involving other powers such as Turkey on the side of Azerbaijan and Russia on the side of Armenia. It's reported that uh, at least 23 people, possible several hundred people, have been killed in deadly clashes over the long-disputed Nagorno-Karabakh region. By the way, I'm having some difficulty saying all these words because I'm just back from the dentist and my mouth is still a wee bit frozen up. I think what disturbs me with this is the Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan tweeting. And by the way, why do all these leaders tweet, announce their policies in this way. The Turkish people will support our Azerbaijani brothers with with all our means as always. Why is that chilling? It's chilling because Turkey was responsible for the genocide of over at least one million Armenians at the beginning of the 20th century. Today, you can still go to prison in Turkey for actually saying it was genocide. Anyway, let's move on to what I think I'm going to call the debate of despair. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? Right. Gentlemen, is, I think this we've is ended so this unprecedented. I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd you know, surprised. keep yapping, man. Yeah. Wait a minute, Joe. Let, let, let me shut you down for a second, Joe. Just for now, what can we say uh, uh, about this? I lay in my bed at night. I was so profoundly disturbed by it. I knew that Trump is crass and crude and a bit of a bully. I knew that his relationship with the truth is at some times, um, shall we say, questionable. So, for example, and he he lived up to his thing. um, He's paid millions in income tax, he he said, and the latest figures they had was $750. But... I think what got to me was not so much that. You expect that of Trump, but Biden, my goodness. To me, he looked as though he was doped. He was all over the place when he was, uh, he obviously had been briefed to look at the camera and speak empathetically to the American people. And 
but he was so put off stride. He looked so weak. It, it, to me, it's unbelievable that he would become the American president. Well, mind you, it was unbelievable that Trump became the American president. He, when he comes up with stuff about um, climate change, the rainforest in Brazil absorbing more, ki- more carbon than all of that the U.S. produces, not true. Masks will save 100,000 American lives by the end of the year, not true. Um, the, he attacked the Green New Deal, deal, then said he wasn't supportive of it, and then said he was against it, although his vice president is a co-sponsor of it. He was just a mess. But the nastiness, I mean, was he trying to prove he can be as nasty as Trump? I do not know. But I feel so heart sorry for any of you who are Americans. What a choice you have. Just after recording this, um, the news has come that President Trump and Melania Trump have both being diagnosed with COVID. Now, I would hope that whatever anyone's politics, they would pray for them and they would wish them well. Um, I've already seen some fairly disgusting tweets from people who should know better, but I hope that it doesn't matter if it was Biden or anyone else, we should all be, we, we shouldn't want other human beings to suffer. So pray for the Trumps and and indeed for all who are suffering with this illness and with many other illnesses. Maybe one other thing. I think the media reporting on this has been absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking, with very few exceptions. As partisan as can be. So, the BBC, BBC Radio Scotland, listening to, just before I came in here, talking about the most terrible thing about the debate was um, Trump giving a dog whistle to the Proud Boys. Now, did he or didn't he? I don't know. But that certainly wasn't the lowest point of the debate. And what about Biden saying Antifa, refusing to condemn Antifa? There's no balance in our media reporting. Anyone watching that debate would feel that it was like two children fighting in a playground. It was it was a thoroughly demeaning and degrading thing. By Easter, this had be gone away. By the warm weather, it'd be gone, miraculous, like a miracle. And by the way, maybe you could inject some bleach in your arm and that would take care of it. You said you went to Delaware. Honestly, God bless America, because America's really going to need it, as we all do. But of course, Brits are, we're not going to interfere in the American election, are we? Well, Prince Harry is. This election, I'm not going to be able to vote here in the US. But many of you may not know that I haven't been able to vote in the UK my entire life. As we approach this November, it's vital that we reject hate speech, misinformation, and online negativity. So as we work to reimagine the world around us, let's challenge ourselves to build communities of compassion. Tonight reminds us of how important it is to watch out for each other, to care for each other, and to inspire each other. We are incredibly proud to join you in this historic moment in time. Thank you. Thank you. what, What amazed me about this was the sheer nerve of it, because Harry and Meghan talking about hate, negativity, compassion, all being in this together. This, a couple, I mean, you, you think of Harry dressing up as a Nazi. Okay, we can forgive him for that. But it seems to me that Harry and Meghan, with a $10 million deal with Netflix, living in their mansion in 
the west of the United States, lecturing Americans on how they should vote. Seriously? And the notion that, well, we weren't telling them who to vote for. Yes, they were. Of course they were. I actually think that... I wish Trump could have had more of this in the debate because uh, his response to this was superb. Listen to this. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle uh, chimed in on the U.S. election and essentially encouraged people to vote for Joe Biden. I wanted to get your reaction to that. I'm not a fan of hers. And uh, I would say this, and she probably has heard that, but uh, I wish a lot of luck to Harry. She's going to need it. All right, enough of American politics. Um, Let's do something a little bit more positive. It does involve a death. It does involve a woman in America, but she's an Australian woman. Uh, Helen Reddy, who was famous for this. I am woman, hear me roar In numbers too big to ignore And I know too much to go back and pretend Because I've heard Helen Reddy was from Melbourne. This song wasn't an instant hit, by the way. It became what's called a sleeper hit, which went on to sell millions of copies worldwide. For a couple of years, she was the biggest selling female artist globally. She famously thanked God because he makes everything possible. That's my kind of feminist. She died in Los Angeles this week. Let's come to China and the Uyghurs, because we do not want to forget this. An astonishing report this week said that whilst China say they've been closing down their camps, in actual fact, satellite photos show that several hundred new camps have been erected and that there are still around one million Uyghurs in lockdown. Now listen to this. Uyghur women are being fitted with internal contraceptives against their will and coerced into undergoing sterilization surgeries. They are being given birth control drugs. They've been given injections that stop their periods. Zentz, a uh, Chinese scholar, Adrian Zentz, says that this is genocide full stop. It's not immediate, shocking, This is, sorry, Joanne Smith-Finley of Newcastle University. It's not immediate, shocking, mass-killing-on-the-spot type genocide, but it's slow, painful, creeping genocide. Madam President, the United Nations Committee for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination has found credible reports of China's mass detention of ethnic Uyghurs in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. Well, there's a fascinating exchange in the United Nations Well, where Hillel Neuer from representing an NGO was speaking, and this is what happened. 
By what logic should a representative of this country be part of the five-member panel that just nominated this council's next investigators on arbitrary detention and enforced dis disappearances excuse to be appointed me, in this excuse session? Me, excuse me, I give the floor to China. Madam President, this NGO speaker, uh, what he says is nothing to do with this item. According to the um, rules of procedure of the Council, we, uh, we request the President to stop this speaker from speaking. The Chinese representative okay, tried uh, to get him stopped. Now, he wasn't stopped, but what was interesting about that was that China has been elected as one of the five controlling groups, uh, controlling people on a... They've been elected onto this Council for the Resettlement of looking at how people are forcibly resettled and they're doing it this is this is the hypocrisy by the way another story out of china that's fascinating there's a communist textbook being used in chinese schools giving the account of john 8 3 to 11. the textbook which is published by the government-run state-run university of electronic science and technology press it states this this is their translation the crowd wanted to stone the woman to death as per their law but jesus said let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. Hearing this, they slipped away one by one. So far, so good. When the crowd disappeared, Jesus stoned the sinner to death, saying, I too am a sinner. But if the law could only be executed by men without blemish, the law would be dead. That's China for you. Or at least that's the Chinese Communist Party. We need to come back again to this question of intolerance. Now, here's an astonishing story of a woman called Christy Higgs. My name is Christy Higgs and over a year ago I was dismissed from my job for sharing information on my Facebook page, my private Facebook page, about a petition, a government consultation to make sex education and relationships education mandatory in schools. It was okay to share that information because this is made compulsory now in the schools. I may have known about this a year ago but parents are waking up now. They're finding out the truth of what's really being taught in these schools. I do have my concerns because we should be able to share biblical truth. And sharing information and not being allowed to do that and to be silenced to not be able to share this information with our family and friends is absurd. And as parents, now, what crime had she committed? Well, what she'd done, she'd posted on her private Facebook page some comments about the government's sex education policy. Screenshots were taken of this. They were circulated to colleagues, senior members of staff, compared her views to those of Nazis, and someone lodged a formal complaint with the head claiming that her posts were homophobic and prejudiced to the LGBT community. She was summoned to a disciplinary meeting at a hotel cross-examined by three, six hours by three of the governors, supported by three members of staff. When Christie tried to explain that her objection to her son being taught that a woman could have a penis was rooted in her Christian belief, she was told, keep your religion out of it. She was then dismissed for illegal discrimination. This, of course, has gone to court. Serious and appropriate use of social media and online comments that could bring the school into disrepute. Now, this has gone to court. The court has reserved judgment. Britain would, is, will be in an enormous mess 
if you cannot tweet that you are opposed to a political standpoint like this. And in a similar vein, listen to this from the, we've mentioned her before, Claire Chandler, the senator from Tasmania. World Rugby has recently published on its website research findings from a range of experts in biology, physiology, sports science and sports medicine who participated in a process looking at the inclusion of trans athletes in rugby. One of the findings is that there is likely to be at least a 20 to 30 per cent greater risk of injury when a female player is tackled by someone who has gone through male puberty. Who needs scientific research to tell us that the average male has major advantages in speed, strength and power over the average female? So if you say you're not comfortable playing women's contact sports against biological males, you're at risk of breaching your league's inclusion policy and being suspended or even banned. Liberal Senator, Senator Chandler, has made at least two speeches in the Senate since the COVID-19 crisis began on these issues, trying to veil her transphobic views as faux-feminist values. We know where Senator Chandler's getting her speeches from, because she said in a speech to the Senate, I stand with JK Rowling and millions of women around the world who are determined to ensure our rights as women are not traded off in the name of diversity. And the other person in that so was Nita Green, a Labour senator from Queensland. Now, they're trying to get her to shut up. This uh, Claire is a Tasmanian liberal, which in American terms means conservative or, or UK terms mean conservative. And this is the astonishing thing. She's been warned she could be prosecuted for insulting the state's anti-discrimination commissioner. She could be prosecuted for hindering and insulting the anti-discrimination commissioner, Sarah Bold. Um, this is what she had said, she'd said, women's sport, women's toilets and women's changing rooms are designed for the female sex and should remain that way. Ms. Bolt says that her emails were problematic. A reasonable person is likely to anticipate uh, a person who's a member of the LGBTIQ plus and gender diverse community would be humiliated, intimidated, offended and insulted, she said in accepting the complaint. Well, let me say this to Ms. Bolt. I find her comments humiliating, intimidating, offensive and insulting. But will she take herself to court? No, of course not. That's the problem with all of this. A reasonable person. There are certain identities, certain groups, who are being given this absolute veto. That's why, to be honest, we need this man. Recognise him? Right. But I'm asking you, would you reverse the cut in corporation tax? But I'm telling you, Andrew, that our priority is well, not... not telling me the question. I am. Yeah, I'm answer. saying that the cuts in corporation tax, the cuts in inheritance tax, the cuts in capital gains tax... But where men, was the... What's we, the we uh, cut in capital from, gains tax? But what's really important, no, Andrew... No, excuse me, I'm asking you a question. What's the cut in the capital gains tax? They've had they've they've cut the capital gains tax. They did that. They did that as part of the coalition government. No, they, they raised the they raised the capital gains tax in the coalition government. Well, what I'm saying, Andrew, and no, 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 what you say no, no, is wrong. No, they raised the capital gains tax to twenty eight percent. Is that they've given tax cuts to absolutely? That is the wonderful Andrew Neil, who I do listen to quite a lot. Um, one of the best interviewers, if not the best interviewer, the BBC has had, of course, being a good unbiased interviewer. They've got rid of him. And so, I love this, 
he's going to launch or going to be part of a new 24-hour new, new news channel to rival the BBC and Sky. Bring it on. My subscription's already in. And then, speaking of engagement on media, there is an Anglican vicar called Ian Paul. And he is one of the now 900 signatories to a letter from church leaders, uh, yours truly being another one, uh, asking the government to let churches remain open when they do their next close down, as they almost certainly will do. And he was interviewed on Sky. Now, you can I'll put the link to the whole interview on my website, but listen to this part. I thought this was wonderful. We really want to say to the government, look, the spiritual dimension of life is really important. And, and the Christian church has a, a message of hope to offer the world. Um, I was just reading in morning prayer this morning, just before coming on, uh, reading one of the Psalms that was set in the Church of England uh, uh, cycle of prayer. And it says two things, the Lord is full of compassion and of mercy. And then it goes on to say, uh, he knows that we are made of, of dust. He knows that we are like the grass of the field that pass away. Uh, and, and what we want to say to the, to the Prime Minister is, look, we've got a really important spiritual message here of hope. And that is significant as well. Uh, and, and please don't inhibit us on, on sharing. This is a time when people have had all sorts of questions raised about life. And we believe we've got something really vital to share, which is going to have a really practical impact on the lives of people in Britain today. Yeah, I'm sure leaders of other faiths will feel exactly the same way as you do this morning. I thought Ian's interview was a masterclass in how to communicate the gospel in today's society on today's news. All right, let's stick with COVID. Last week, we mentioned that Van Morrison was in trouble for having, uh, he's released, beginning to release a series of songs. He's released one called Born to be Free criticising the lockdown policy of the government and in particular campaigning for live venues, musicians to be able to play live. Well, he's been joined by another old rocker. Um, who do you think this is? the wonderful Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, but of course Eric Clapton, the guitarist. And Clapton says this, it's deeply upsetting to see how few gigs are going ahead because of the lockdown restrictions. There are many of us who support Van and his endeavours to save live music. He is an inspiration. We must stand up and be counted because we need to find a way out of this mess. The alternative is not worth thinking about. Live music might never recover. Another old uh, rock star, say rock star, um, is John Lydon. I bet you never thought you'd get the Sex Pistols on the show. Well, I'm going to play a little music in a while, but let me just say this, that Lydon has got in trouble because he has uh, worn a Donald Trump t-shirt. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, in 1976, the Sex Pistols, I remember it well, I was 14, um, and they shocked people on British television by swearing and basically their whole aim was to cause as much outrage as possible. God save the queen of a fascist regime and so on. So they were largely disagreeable, averse to authority. 
And guess what? He's continuing it. Because if you're averse to authority in 1970s England, you mock the Queen. You call Britain fascist and you lose lots of words that offend older people. If you're averse to authority in 2020s UK, you're going to say things that offend people on Radio 4. Because it's those voices that have the power. You're going to support Donald Trump. That's probably the most radical thing you could do. I, I was at a university once and this man, this student introduced himself by saying, I'm the only Trump supporter here. And I said to him, you're the only revolutionary here. How many ways to get what you want? I is the best, I is the rest. You don't have to agree with what Leiden says. But I, I do agree that it is rebellious in, in the way that the countless musicians and artists showing their respect for BLM are not. That's the high status corporate back ideology of the day. I know this sounds strange, but I think this was, this is a prophetic song. What do I mean by that? I think it's prophetic in the sense that what he's describing, the mood of destruction, but not knowing what you want, not being able to bring what you want, not being able to construct, but being able to destroy. I think that that's right now, it seems as though, and I think the US debate was indicative of that. I think what's going on in the US, some of what's going on in the UK, I think that's indicative of an anarchic spirit, which is going to cause a lot of harm. In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength, my song Okay, I don't, I don't want to leave you with the pistols I don't want that to be our, our, our final song or comment So I'm going to leave you with this gem that I came across Keith and Kirsten Getty and Alison Krauss In Christ alone our hope is found it was interesting, on my way to the dentist, I had to take an Uber. The Uber driver we got talking to and started talking about religion. and We didn't get very far because it was a relatively short journey. And, um, but I gave him my cards as I was seeking to bear witness to him. And I smiled when I got out because he gave me his, guess what, a Jehovah's Witness. I felt like saying to him, revenge. But, you know, I thought that. I thought, I thought in terms of religion, I thought in terms of... Um, anarchy and all the troubles and COVID and everything else. Where's our hope? Where's our hope? And I love, I mean, I love Alison Krauss, musician, Keith and Kirsten Getty. I love the fact that they got together on this one. And in Christ alone, our hope is found. You can't have hope in Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Boris Johnson or Nicola Sturgeon or Putin or Xi Jinping or any of the cultural heroes that we may have. But we can have hope in Christ. And I encourage you to do that if you're a Christian. I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, to think about it. 
feel free to get in touch. As I've said before, if you want a copy of Magnificent Obsession and you're not a Christian, I'd happily try and get it to you wherever you are. If you wish to support this, then uh, please go to the Podbean fundraiser, go on to the, the blog and you can do so there. If you've got any ideas or any news, please send them to me. Got any questions, please send them to me. And even if you want to say something complimentary, that's fine. Uh, God bless you. Hope you have a great week. And my advice, stay away from presidential debates if you don't want to get depressed. Part of Christ.